This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. I recall it being relatively firm, mm-hmm. not in like a frightening way, but definitely in a, uh, I noticed it uh, when he was going by. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With Rami. Just win. You know, if we win, uh, move the ball, play well, whether that's with those two getting the ball or. Uh, or with, you know, running the football, whatever it has to be, whatever we got to do to move the football, let's do that. And, uh, you know, I think that's all that matters. Well, I think he was, what, 27 out of 36. So, um, and so he completed a lot of balls. I think there were some times that uh, he might have got rid of it a little bit too soon. But, uh, you know, when you're getting pounded a few times, you know, sometimes you, you got to take the uh, quick throw. Come on! Football! Football! We gotta cut a new one of those with Alex Boone. We have but you to. want to you want to cut a new one of those with us? We should. Should we do it right now? Yeah, of course we should. Oh, we, Jonathan needs to. The more football, I, I'm sorry, the better. I forgot. I told you. I, I know. I said that. You did on purpose. Poor Rami, you silence Rami. No one Phil will told me Rami. before the show because I'm sitting in a different seat. Alex I'm Boone sorry. is in sorry, my I'm seat, sorry, I'm sorry. and I can't reach the button to turn off my mic. He goes, "I'll turn your mic on and off for you. I'll probably forget, but I'll turn your mic he on really and off did. for you. You never even turned it on." Not even on. Not one time. And you Did got you short arms, too. Yeah. No, Booney's got the long I should have got you. That's my, that yeah, my bad. That's a bad bro. No, 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 that's my fault. I don't have boon length arms, but for yeah. my height, I have very long Those arms. Those are some serious I arms. not proportional at Alex all. actually reached around the corner and grabbed a cup of coffee from the kitchen <laughs> and just stayed in the seat over here. Right. All right. Are you ready, Jonathan? <clears throat> yep. All you have to do is, like, hit some NFL films music. Or do you just want us to all say football, football for, like, Five or ten seconds. Just say football, football for like five or ten seconds, then <clears throat> we'll cut it up and put it in. Oh, we're right. really doing this live on the air right yeah. here, right yeah, now. Right. 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 We got Alex Boone in here. Let's go. Right. So on three, just all back away from your mics a little bit yeah. so it doesn't okay. blare we'll through. Up. But yeah, okay. Three. So John, are you counting? Us? I'll count you. Yep, I'll count you down. Three, two, one. I don't even know what that Chips was. Chips and salsa. And salsa. That's you not part of football. That's what I eat. That's what I eat when I watch football. Chips and salsa. Chips and salsa. Yeah. Of all the like football-y things you could have said, you I said chips and salsa. salsa. I was just improving, man. There yeah. aren't when you're improving. There are no bad ideas. I'm with you, dude. Chips and salsa. That's basketball. That's not football. What do you eat when no, you watch dude. football? Steak. That's What's that's this? a snack. I mean, Eggs Benedict. That's what you snack football. on while you watch football. Oh, yeah, you eat steak. Yeah. 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 
Chicken wings. You definitely oh, don't do. You okay. don't do the All chips. Right. Chicken wings well, are good too. You sit there on the couch like, hey, babe, Look, Alex. If you saw my foot, if you saw my Super Bowl spread, you'd know. Oh. If there's if there's one thing about football that I got down, it's the food part of it. All right, All we'll right? see this year. We'll see. Oh, you will. Yeah, you will. Are we invited this year? We'll see. Last year, oh, I feel like it was, all, like very, it was all very new, and yeah, you weren't you like, quite gonna, sure about us. I had just moved into my apartment. We're not getting yeah. invited this yeah, you're year. You're just going to tweet it out. Like, forget. Forget. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're right. all going to forget. He has Don't no worry. interest in sharing that spread. <laughs> hey, I made you guys sandwiches. I'm the only person here to come in with a George Foreman grill and make you guys sandwiches. That is true. That Nobody is true. else is. I don't know if I should be talking about that, though. Am I whatever? Are we proud of that? Oh, they were good. Were yeah. they? What kind? Rave reviews. What kind? I remade the uh, uh, La Tortuga, the sandwich that was made and f- in, inspired by Williams Estadio of the Minnesota Twins, and I made it better by all accounts, yeah, unanimously. Can we do this again, then? I made it better than it was what they had, than what they were selling at Target Field. We'll see. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do we'll it. We'll see. Yeah. Next week. Judd, Judd, I walked in this morning before Ventline, walking down the hallway. I peeked my head in the studio, and Judd goes, dude, dude. I did say dude. You, I said dude, dude, you, dude. You got to see this. I've been crunching numbers on Kirk Cousins. I haven't seen these numbers yet. You okay. guys, because I wanted to react on the air. You told me Judd is working on numbers, and then Judd told me you got to see these numbers, and I have intentionally stayed away from these numbers till we got on the air. I'm glad I got blindsided. Let's do it. All right, let's go through with them. So this was born off the fact that my guy Scoggins in the Star Tribune yesterday, his call from the Bears game, that he had this stat. Against teams with a winning record in his career, number eight. Don't do this, Judd. I brought up this stat yesterday. People were like, oh, not fair. You can't put that on the quarterback. No, but like, okay, so this was jumping off the diving board. He's 5-27. and But I thought, you know. He's 5-27 and against teams with a winning record. So And that doesn't mean good teams. That means teams that. Happen to be two and one at the point. A slight, yeah. Exactly. Is that Winning is that record. at the time of the game or at no, the end of the year? No, it's at the end of, of the year. And I'll, okay, and I will set this up by giving you another stat that is awful and gets worse. <laughs> like it's hard to make. So stats do five and twenty seven. Stats do lie. <laughs> it doesn't. Stats do lie, but this stat lies even more. Let's see it. That record is skewed by the fact that in his uh, sixteen starts last year, and then four games this year, that as the Vikings quarterback, Kirk Cousins is one and eight against winning teams. Now here's where it gets worse. If you want to interpret this a little bit differently, he is actually zero and eight. Because the one win is against an Eagles team that finished above 500 last year, but when they played the Vikings was two and two, and then lost that game to fall to two and three. So you would really take that win out if you wanted to. So you could make a case that he had in a Vikings uniform, he has not won a game against a winning opponent. You could make that case. So I'm just wondering how much time you wasted doing this when you could have just been watching the games and realizing how bad it really is. Like, you didn't have to go back and go, you know what, last year, technically, we're 2-2. Two and two. They no. lost, so they were 2-3, and three, so that game doesn't count, so we're not going to give them that game. You've just wasted all that. You could have been like, dude, did you see the last game? But Alex, Did you see it? Here's the key. I'm like a lawyer going into court. <laughs> you want to be prepared. Law and order. I need. I need you to. Need I need evidence. to put the witness. I need to put the witness on the stand and tear them apart. And saying, "Did you see?" I'd be left out of court. No, if you Why? Look, that is the, all the evidence you need. Did you see that performance? Yeah, I mean, of the surveillance footage week, is really the best thing you can have. Short of an sky, eyewitness. Don't lie, bro. Yeah, don't lie. Do you guys want more? No, I don't need any more. No, this is therapeutic, damn it. I want more. I want more. (laughs) Prime time games, of which he has one coming up in a few weeks against his old team, Washington. Five and 13. 
Monday night games. That's actually better than I thought it was. Yeah. Mon- but Monday night games, 0-7. Oh, 0 for. On the road as a starter. This is road in general so or this road, is road, road, road games? Road in general. Whole career. Yes. Okay. Starting quarterback. 13, 25, and 2. The two ties. That's pretty impressive. Two ties? that You could walk out of with two, two ties? That's incredible. I, I respect that. That's amazing. He <laughs> <laughs> should look to build, listen, build that third category. You said it already. You can't go there. You can't do that. Because you're putting the whole game on one guy. And that's not a fair assessment. And I am extremely tough on players. And even I would be like, dude, you can't do that. But here's what I, here's my thinking when it comes to quarterback win-loss record. Because I, I mentioned Kirk Cousins' record against winning teams yesterday. And people said, you can't put win-loss record on the quarterback. And you're half right and half wrong. I look at it the same way as I do starting pitchers. Not every good starting pitcher is going to have a lot of wins. Because a lot of other things need to go right other than a pitcher just having a nice day on the mound for you to win a game. Right. But if a pitcher has a lot of losses, that's usually a bad pitcher. That's usually not a guy who's very good on the mound. And I'll say the same thing about quarterbacks. It takes a lot more than than just a quarterback having a good day to win. So you're not always going to have a great win-loss record when you're the quarterback. But when you have an overwhelmingly... Bad win loss record, even if it is just against winning teams, if that's that's a snapshot that we're taking, that's largely on you as the quarterback. That's probably a pretty good indicator of what type of player you are. No, I agree. And when you're looking at this and you're saying, Hey, you're one and eight against winning teams in prime time, you're five and thirteen. Monday night you're oh and seven, like one or two of those games, yeah, I'm throwing them on you. Like, dude, eventually the ball has to bounce your way. The law of averages says you should be better than this with just a mediocre quarterback. But when you're talking about the, you're talking about some of the teams when he was in Washington and that those teams were helter skelter. You're looking at some of the defenses that they played with because I played those defenses and it was like, man, we're gonna roll these dudes today, you know. And you're behind a lot of these games. You're behind, so then you're trying to catch up. You're falling on the old line. I think that if you're really looking at this, you say, what were his stats in all these games? Like, say against a winning team, what are your stats? Because that's a good defense. A winning team has a good defense. So you say, hey, listen, if your stats aren't that bad, then maybe we don't put all this on you. Now, if your stats are ferocious, well, then, yeah, this is all going to fall on you. See, I think, I think, so I fall in between here. I'm, I'm not okay with just, here's a quarterback's career based on his win-loss record. Because, if you, for instance, if you look at Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, I actually think you could make a strong case to say that Aaron Rodgers is the more talented and, and physically superior quarterback. He's more mobile. He's pinpoint with his, with his accuracy. And we could split hairs on that back and forth. But Aaron Rodgers has had, like, three top ten defenses in his career. Tom Brady almost always has right. top five or ten defenses. Therefore, Tom Brady, the bar for what he needs to do to win a game is a lot lower. Uh, but then again, Kirk Cousins with the Vikings the last couple of years, has it been the best defense in the NFL? No. Top but, five. But let's, top you know, five. I know, like, one of the big narratives after Sunday was, how can you let Chase Daniel go, okay, they gave up 16 points. Yeah. yeah. And not only 16 that, points. Chase Daniels might be the better quarterback for that system. Yeah. You look at Mitch Trubisky and how long it takes him to get from read to read, right? Like, my grandmother is faster than that. The way he's like, one, no. Nope, yeah, but she checks two. down a lot. She I've checked seen down that. way more than he wanted. Yeah. Hey, taking those sacks. What, what are the old coaches say? You can't take a, what is it, a loss, taking a check down? Like, I used to love that. Like, all right. And then Alex Smith took it, like, way too far. Like, he checked out every play. I was like, all right, dude, it was a joke. But when you're looking at this, Chase Daniels, man, he was quick with that ball, wasn't he? Like, I know where I want to go. I know where my guy's open. And not only that, you're running RPOs with Chase Daniels, and it's kind of like, man, what if Chase kept it? Man, this would be exciting to see. Like, he makes it look like he belongs in this system. He's not one of these backups that you're like, 
well, they're just going to throw the kitchen sink at the defense and hopefully something sticks. They stuck to the game plan. Hey, this is our game plan. We're going to run the ball as much as we can to beat on them, and then we're going to throw these quick throws. And when we know we're ready, we're going to take a couple shots. And that's it. Uh, all right, though. Let's build, Let's build. no pun intended, the case against Kirk, okay? Because okay, okay. it's multi-pronged Wait, here. Wait, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. And, well, and, I'm going, and I'm going to come over and get more sound as well because, yeah. there's, because there's a final nail in the coffin of why this is all BS okay. by now. All right. So, Alex, you're right. The eye test. He doesn't pass it. And by the way, your statistical analysis is going to come up short unless we go quarter by quarter by quarter. Because, again, his statistics off of Sunday at the end look like, oh, it's not his fault. It's respectable. But look at the first half through the third quarter. So So I'm taking his his statistics unless you give me by quarter and I'm throwing them out because I'm not going to be fooled by that. Again, I was last year. All right. He didn't pass the eye test. The case I just gave you with the statistics to me is overwhelming because if it's a few games here and there and, and things are reversed a little bit, I'd be like, okay, you know what? I can see that. But I just gave you a mountain of evidence of that has to be traced back to him to a yeah. certain point. And I would add this to your numbers here because I, so I, yep. re, you sent the tweet I retweeted and the, one of the first responses I got was a sarcastic response that said, well, Harrison Smith is three games under 500 in prime time too. Like, why don't you point? Let's go on the list of individual players. Okay, but but Harrison Smith doesn't touch the football on every play. The the quarterback is the most influential position in professional sports outside of maybe NBA superstar that can yeah. that can do whatever he wants, and, right? And then though, I've got one last thing: permission to approach. Because I got two pieces of sound. That this is a I want that Alex, Come I want on. you. Who's the approacher? I want, I want you to react to though, and I want your agreement here that this is where we've crossed a line. I feel like he's that if I'm a player, the I'm done. He's going to come over to the button bar right now. Yeah. This. this is dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> he literally, he literally made his way over. Zimmer sound bites. Play that, and then play that. Okay. Well, I think he was what twenty-seven out of thirty-six. So, um, and so he completed a lot of balls. I think there were some times that uh, he might have got rid of it a little bit too soon. But, uh, you know, when you're getting pounded a few times, you know, sometimes you you got to take the, uh, the quick throw. I think, you know, there's times you just got to pull the trigger and you just got to believe it. You know, you're going to make the throw. There was some times that he got the ball out really good. You know, he, the one behind Adam, just a little bit behind him, he got that ball out good. Um, you know, there were some other ones that, uh, you know, we just got to keep, keep working on it. Alec, you played for that man. Mm-hmm. That man spent a season going to a podium in a 13-3 and year, basically ripping apart Keenum every chance he got for mistakes. I'm sure behind the scenes you heard far worse from Mike. Worse. He's doing what here? This is kid gloves? Oh, kid gloves. And, but, but here's the problem. I gave you a mountain of stats that if you're Mike, you might as well be like, you know what? Gloves are off. <laughs> I'm going after. What if, what if he just comes out and goes one and eight against winning teams? Yes, I'm done. But you tell, I'm done. Don't do you, ask me again. But how do you feel as a guy who's who was in that locker room hearing this guy berate people, old school football coach, and now we get this? Yeah. This isn't even Mike Zimmer. That used to drive me nuts. It used to drive me nuts because he would go after guys that didn't, couldn't handle it. And I know exactly who they are, and they know exactly who they are. And he would constantly come in the room and jab those guys. And you, and in my mind, I'd be like, please stop. And I'd look at Tony, and I'd be like, Tony, make him stop, because this week is going to suck now. It's going to suck, because that dude's in his own head, and it's Tuesday. Tony, it's Tuesday. Get him to stop now. And Tony would be like, what do you want me to do? He's the head coach. He'd come out there and practice and be like, you know, we're better than, than Detroit in every way, except for our old line. Boom. 
Oh my God! Now I got to deal with how many guys on the O line like can is he for real with that? Did he really say that? Like, dude, there's so many better ways to win. Hey, listen, we took good steps. We're five and zero. Our O line's a little shaky right now. We're getting better. We got tough, gritty guys. Lie to me, dude. Lie to me. Lie as much as you can. But if you're gonna do that to that group that was so special that could have done something special, and you're gonna kid gloves this dude because you're afraid of what's gonna happen, shame on you. Because the rest of the team's like, yo, man, that's not fair. So right now, there's a really interesting dynamic in the Vikings locker room. By the way, it's Mackie and Judd with Rami, Alex Boone, hey ho, who uh, if you if, if you're if you're listening to our show and you haven't had a chance to catch Alex on Purple Daily Tuesdays and Thursdays on Purple Daily, podcastable Apple, Spotify, Score North mobile app. And, uh, yeah, Alex was here three years ago, and a lot of you probably hated him. A lot of you probably loved him. Um, you were it's a, uh, it's a, mixed bag. a polarizing figure. <laughs> you, we always had fun with you when you came on our show. Always. But you've got this dynamic right now, and I'm not going to pretend to know what's happening behind the scenes, but maybe you can speak to some of this. Yeah. Go, go look at and listen to Adam Thielen's comments on Sunday. We've played them all up and down the last couple of days. And Stefan Diggs is out there, and I'm critical. Like, dude, if you're going to tweet an emoji that says what you're kind of thinking and like just Get either it. say it or don't. Yeah. But those guys are very clearly fed up with the passing game, Kirk Cousins, all of the above. And I'm wondering what and we're all speculating here for the most part, but when you have a dynamic like that where okay, something's not working and it's week 4 and you've got you've got some guys who are outspoken about it who make a lot of money and Stefan Diggs hasn't talked to the media because he's mad and there's rumors about him. What's your best educated guess on what it's like behind the scenes right now? Oh, it's 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 coming down. It's crumbling down. And not only that, but you can see it on the guys' faces. It's the way they talk. It's the way that feeling goes. Maybe if we could have hit the deep ball. We can't when you have a receiver, number one, how dare a receiver ever come at the run game? Because we set you up. All right. Don't ever come sideways at me or that group again. That was stupid. If I was an offensive lineman, I'd have been like, look, bro, we need to run the ball. You can't be this whole team. And I get it. The number eight back there ain't doing it. And I totally agree with you. He needs to get the ball ready. But a lot of that's on the OC. You can't start pointing fingers without saying, hey, listen, these deep routes aren't working. You can't even max protect because you got Khalil Mack going through four guys. I counted it. Four guys. The left tackle, the left guard, the running back, and the tight end. Shame on you. You need to start simplifying this offense. You're making it too complex. You're pissing off the outside guys, which is in turn pissing off everybody in the backfield because they're like, wait a minute, dude. If these dudes are going to start getting pissed, they're going to start getting the ball more. Then we're not going to get the ball. Then the old line and the quarterback are like, well, now we're not going to win because what are we going to do? We have no fear if we can't run the ball. On the show before this, I said, listen, they quit too early. 14 carries for Dalvin Cook is way too... That's not enough. It should have been 30. And it was a close game throughout, The right? whole game was close. This is what you expect. This is the black and blue division. We're not going to go out here and put up 40. This isn't Aaron Rodgers out here on a crappy defense. This is two of the most premier teams right here. They're doing exactly what the game plan said for them. We're going to do quick throws. We're going to run the ball. Who cares if we have to punt it six, seven times? We're still going to wear them out. And when they least expect it, boom. Tariq Cohen out of the backfield against eight, against Barr. Dude, what? All of a sudden, the team's like, hey, maybe we got this, guys. Maybe we got this juice. You don't even have a Keem Hicks, and you didn't even have a run game. First play, I would have been like, I want to run ISO right over a Keem Hicks backup. I want to run it three times in a row just to let them know that we're coming today. Not only that, but I want to fist down everybody's throat. The first series. Everybody's going down. We're not going to throw it one time. We're going to come down the middle, then we're going to go outside zone, then we're going to toss it the other way, then we're going to toss it the other way. We're going to run it so many times, they're going to wish to God we didn't run it. But instead, what do you do? Garrett Bradbury gives up a pressure to Eddie Goldman. Way to set the tempo, guys. 
You want to control a division like this, you better start acting like the predator. Because people are going to start treating you like the prey real quickly, and you're seeing it. Hey, listen, these guys can't pass block. Just stand a linebacker up over the center and watch how fast they get beat. Watch. Because no center can sit there and go, hey, this is our number one threat. This guy right here has the quickest distance from A to B. That's why he becomes the quickest threat. I'm not going to block him. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. We don't go willy-nilly, dude, and just let dudes up the A-gap. That is the number one rule of pass, bro. You can never do that. So as soon as he walks up, though, centers are always like, hey, 5-0. And it's either five fingers or it's a fist. And it tells them everybody's on an island. Nobody football. gets help. You are so right. Wait, that wasn't the new one. Either. That was really, that was very football. <laughs> that was very football. But, but you're looking at how these defenses are going, hey, listen. Just attack them this way. They want to throw the ball. Let them throw these out routes. We'll come after them like this. We'll five up. The minute you think it's a pass, we're automatically going to check to this. And then it's going to be game on. What you can do, start playing like the Panthers. Full slide everything. Start running the ball and full slide it. Because then people go, well, now we can't do anything. Hold on. Full slide. We have the new one, by the way. He just said full slide. No, we don't have the new one. Why? What happened? Oh, no. I didn't think that'd make the cut. I didn't think it would make the cut. I don't know about that last one. <laughs> chips and salsa. Chips and salsa, I just don't know. I mean, delicious, man. Who doesn't like chips and salsa, though? Everybody likes I chips and salsa, right? It's the football thing. Gotta eat fits the football I, thing. I, so I don't true, know. But, like, to what, to, what, to what you're saying, you know, they, they committed all offseason to this style of play. Right. And it was almost like it worked perfectly for three weeks, per- almost perfectly. Kirk Cousins threw an interception yeah, on first down and eight from the in, the, in yeah. Green Bay. But but the minute you felt like, uh-oh, oh no, we, we, we re- we've run the ball eight times and it's not working, in a close game, they decommitted to that and they started to throw the ball. Right? Always. It's the first thing they do. Oh my God, we're not going anywhere. Because all of a sudden the head coach looks around at the OC like, hey, that was play eight that went nowhere. What are we doing? Uh, coach, we're good. We're going to go into the back <laughs> of the book now where we shouldn't ever go. And we're going to start running Dino. Hail Marys yeah. on every play. I promise it gets sexier right here. I mean, but you saw the Bears. What, what did Matt Nagy Matt Nagy's like, hey, listen, uh, we're going to go uh, ISO right. Go. He doesn't care. I don't care. I'm beating on your defense. I am physically going to beat your defense down. And then when you least expect it, I'm going to send Tariq Cohen on a quick out route on Anthony Barr, and nobody's going to see it because you're running a slant over there. And it just looks so easy and simple, but it's not. It's the playmakers. There was another one that Tariq Cohen almost caught on the side. I don't know if anybody caught it, but he was just out of bounds. He was like kind of bobbling yeah. the ball. That was a nice catch, actually. just was out of bounds. Were you not lulled to sleep the whole game? Like Kind of like, man, what is going on? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Oh, oh, I almost fell asleep myself there. How do you think the defense feels? Dude, I saw again. What the hell are they doing? Yeah, These Wait. dudes can't run anywhere. What are they doing? Oh, play action. Oh, my God. That's why all of a sudden teams, and that's why we would say, dude, never lull a team to sleep, ever. Like, never let them lull you to sleep. If a team's not blitzing you enough, they're going to bring it soon. You're just not paying attention. And that's why it's the number one reason you lose a game is because the team is just going to beat on you. And it looks so like it's a defensive game. No, no, no. There's something behind this. They're just wearing you down slowly. When you say it's crumbling, beyond is it beyond repair, or do you think this thing can still be fixed and turned around? I think the way that he treats his quarterback, it's very different. And I get that some people will go, hey, he's the quarterback. He's the franchise. you got to treat him differently. You're right. Aaron Rodgers gets treated differently. There's no question. Tom Brady, I've heard stories. I know how he gets treated. <laughs> but those guys have won big games. And whether they're washed or not, whoever it is, if you have a ring, you can sit back there and go, dude, I, I'm, I, I know what's up. 
I mean, I don't know what to say. It's it's Aaron Rodgers has got this offense and he's running with it. And it, it when you're looking at it, it looks like it's kind of like a college style. And then all of a sudden, he was like, "No, I want to do this myself." And he, the way he took that, like it was like the team was almost like, "Please just do this, Aaron." Right? Where the team here is like, "Please just give the ball to Dalvin. Yep. Let Dalvin make a great play. Let him run over somebody's face because that's where I get my motivation, guys. That's where the defense is going to be like, "Yo, now I'm hyped." Right? Dalvin just took out their middle linebacker. We're good now. We can come out. What does it say, though, when it's clear that the faith of the team in the quarterback is almost zero to me? I, I mean, that, this is where you've reached sort of death football-wise, yeah. because it, it's, it's not like there's something there. Do you think this is a two-way street, though? I mean, do you think Kirk looks at the offensive line like, really? We're going to do this again? Yeah, you can, I think you can tell. It's a two-way street. He it's, has made yeah. a concerted effort this season to, to try and own things publicly more right. than he has in the past. But you can kind of see through it a little bit. Where like I saw a clip today on, I think it was like the Vikings Instagram account, and it's Kirk. Kirk is kind of going through. I mean, there was that play on third and ten, and he does, you know, but, he, but he doesn't have the street cred to do it. And the other thing too is the Thielen deep shot is on him. He, that has that, to that work. But him. what I'm saying yeah. is, like, I, his clip was about the Thielen deep shot. Yeah. And initially, he start, He was in the in the we vernacular. We just need to hit that. We need to. And by we, I mean I. But you can sort of tell by the look yeah. on his face. He really meant it's we. So, hey, we have to mix in a break and get to Roy Smalley, but hang around again sometime here Always in the next pleasure. couple of weeks, Alex Boone. For sure. Thanks so awesome much, Awesome stuff, Alex man. Boone, former Minnesota Viking, uh, played in the Super Bowl, San Francisco 49ers. You can find him twice a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays, on Purple Daily with Matthew Collar. All right, when we come back, the Twins' chances to win the World Series, according to Roy Smalley, World Series champion himself. We'll get to that. It's Mackie and Joe with Rami on the all-new Score North and the Score North mobile app. And let's talk about insurance for a second here. In fact, Federated Insurance, Federated Mutual Insurance Company, Minnesota-based company, going back to the early 1900s in Owatonna, Minnesota, and they pride themselves on having great face-to-face relationships and helping businesses become as successful as they can be in multiple different facets. When you partner with Federated, you get more than just a policy. You get peace of mind as you navigate the challenges of running a business. I've been a business owner myself. I know about the roller coaster, the ups, the downs, the daily grind, problem-solving, the elation when you score a big win. Federated is along for the ride, and they're here. They've got your back. Uh, they are your defense, if you want to use a dumb football analogy, which I just did. Federated Mutual Insurance Company and federatedinsurance.com. At Federated, it's our business to protect yours. We are Mackie and Jeb with Rami on the all-new Score North and the free-to-download Score North mobile app. The Twins and the Yankees, which you can find, by the way, all Twins postseason games right here on Score North, and we'll talk to Roy Smalley about the Twins' chances to win it all when we come back. Join Dan Terrar and myself this Sunday afternoon as Minnesota United heads out west to take on the Seattle Sounders with playoff positioning on the line. Pre-game at 3 o'clock, kickoff at 3.30 right here on Score North on AM 1500, scorenorth.com and the free Score North mobile app. And Roy Smalley brought to you by Doug's Powerquipment up in Blaine. All right, Mackie and Jeb with Rami on the all-new Score North and the Score North mobile app. Where, by the way, breaking news, Rami just broke it to us off the microphone. Roy yeah. Smalley, the Twins made the playoffs. Did you know about Did you hear that right? the Twins are playing a playoff game this, this hey, Friday? Hey, hey, they won the division, guys. They did? What? what? Which, division? The <laughs> <laughs> which division? Which uh, division? And which, by the way, I, I told all of you was going to happen back right before the All-Star break. You and, I, you and I were the first ones to call this, Roy. <laughs> 
Just give ourselves a nice big hearty pat on the back, sir. Yep, and even even when Romney was careening down the hill uh, with no brakes on, <laughs> I, I, I assured him that everything was going to be okay. That's right. Yep. <laughs> All right, so here's, tight. here's the big question, Roy Smalley. What's the percent chance the Twins win the World Series? <laughs> well, well, it got better now that they're in the playoffs, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm going with uh, I, I'm going with 25. percent Okay, that's right. solid. That's fair. That's yeah. not too bad. Yeah. Um, we want to play for you just to start this conversation off here, uh, and then we can expand on your 25 percent thought too. Dave St. Peter, Twins president, joined us on this show last week, and we just want to play a quick soundbite. We asked him, "Hey, you guys have rebuilt this thing." You won the division again for the first time in almost a decade. And as you walk into the playoffs, of course, it's the Yankees standing there staring at you once again. And this is what he said. You know, we obviously don't get to pick who we play. It certainly looks like it'll be New York. We understand the, you know, the, the, the history. Uh, that's my history. It isn't Bracco Baldelli's history. It certainly isn't Nelson Cruz's history. So I, I think that'll be overblown. But organizationally, I, I just say it's time to slay the dragon, right? You know, so. Um, I, you know, we look forward to the challenge. Time to slay the dragon. Is that how you feel? No, I just think that it's, you know, it's time to win. I mean, I don't care who it is. I have so little regard for and care about what's gone on in the past with the Yankees. I, I know it's a big deal to everybody, and, and everybody writes about it and talks about it. And my daughter even says to me, uh, uh, my, by the way, 34-year-old daughter, uh, <laughs> both, both of whom are in uh, are, are huge Twins fans and, and, and baseball fans. Is, why is it going to be the Yankees that break my heart every year? And I, and I mean, I, I said that even my daughter, even you, say <laughs> it ain't too brute. I mean, come on. And I, I just don't care about it. This is, if Nelson Cruz doesn't care about it. I guarantee you that uh, Eddie Rosario doesn't care about it. I, so these guys think they can they can play with anybody. They've proven they can play with with anybody, and I know they're ex- as excited as hell just to get there and you know and and win some ball games. Beyond that, Roy, why can it it, it happen? Why why uh, beyond the fact that Nelson Cruz and the whole group Gonzalez and Scope those guys don't care? When you, you look at this matchup, why do you also think to yourself that this could definitely happen? Be, well. It, 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 it's all going to depend on pitching and whether they can just hold hold the Yankees down a little bit because I think this team's going to hit against the Yankee pitching staff and that's they've proven that they can do that. Um, you know, they, the next time they, if they score 12 runs against the Yankees um, in the playoffs here, I'm going to bet that the Twins pitchers have done give up 14 that game. But you know, you never you never know. Um, it's it's going to they're going to play pretty much the way they pitch, but because I think they're going to hit against this staff. I look at the Yankee pitchers, and for the most part, whoever they, whoever they run out there, uh, they, they get an awful lot of outs outside the strike zone, and, and particularly below the strike zone. You look at Severino and Herman and those guys with their, you know, their change-ups and sliders, and, and you know, even Paxton to some degree. The Twins lineup has now 162 games under their belt where, for the most part, they didn't chase. They were they made guys throw the ball in the middle of the plate, and if they do that, when they do that, I should say, uh, all year long, when they've made guys throw it in the middle of the plate, they don't miss it when it's there. I mean, they they have hammered balls that uh, that they wanted to hit, and they just haven't missed them. I think that's going to continue. Um, I don't think they're going to get themselves in 
real bad counts, um, but swinging early at bad stuff. And, you know, there'll be a little bit of that because these guys are, these pitchers are good. Everybody in the playoffs is really good this year. I mean, really good. But the Twins are extra special good, especially at the plate. And I, I, I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna equip themselves really well offensively. Talking with Roy Smalley, former twin now of Fox Sports North, here on Mackie and Judd with Rami, as we do every Tuesday at this time. Roy, how much harder does this series get if they have to go out and try and win it without Luis Arise? You know, Luis Arise is a big um, uh, contributor to uh, the offensive production. There's no, there's no question about that. Um, but I, I think. Because of the way this lineup, what I like about him the most is not, it's not even the, it's not even the hits, which, I mean, obviously that's the, the most important thing, but the, the bats that he takes are, are so tough. They, he grinds out a bats. He doesn't swing at bad balls. He makes guys throw strikes. So he's either going to put the ball in play or walk. And when he puts the ball in play, I mean, we know he gets, you know, he's hitting three, 340 or 50. So, he's just such a tough out. That is, that's really great to have in the lineup. Having said that, though, if he can't uh, if he can't play, I would expect in a you know you know three or four or five game series that Jonathan Scope's going to make himself uh, be heard as well. I mean, the, the guy hit 23 home runs uh, this year and uh, wasn't playing uh, every day, and and um, he's the kind of guy that's going to he's going to hit 250 and strike out a bunch, and everybody's going to wish that that he didn't strike out when he did. And then he, he steps up and hits a home run in a big situation. He's done that. He's done that all year long. So I think they're fine. Well, the way this lineup, and this is, I think an important point. This is the other reason why I, why I think that they're going to, they're going to win uh, because of the offense. It's all nine guys or 12 guys. I mean, they're they're They all have shown the ability when, other when when the the main guys was the guys that you would you would expect to carry the club weren't carrying the club somebody else did, Kepler did or Polanco did or Garver did, or Sano did or Marwin did or you know somebody, and I I think that's that's the kind of thing that will will carry them. I think it's really important for Cruz and Rosario to have big series, but even when they don't uh, do everything that they you know that you you'd want them to do. There are so many other guys that are not afraid of stepping up and, and doing it. So I, I just I just love the complete nature of the lineup. Roy Smalley, you played shortstop for a long time. You played some third third base. You played some first base. Can you take me through the arise in injury play? And by the way, I think the fact that he was playing in that game is absolutely fine. But how that happened, how that should have gone, and then my final question to you is this. Why, with how we've changed our thinking in baseball, can't that pop-up simply be caught by the pitcher and everybody else backs off? I'm dead serious. I don't understand yeah. it anymore. Okay. So I, I think I, I, I'll take the, the second question first. I would, I would not be against having the experiment of just uh, going at, at, go ahead and letting the pitcher take a lot of the pop flies uh, that are right there. I mean, these guys are major league uh, players and they ought to be able to catch a, 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 a pop fly. The problem is really just what you saw with the infielders. The problem is the mound, and infielders are a little bit more adept at running over uneven surfaces and catching and, and catching the ball. And if you get a pitcher circling around the mound out there, you, you know you never know what's going to happen with him. And, and that's not a 
that's not as much of a knock against the pitcher as it sounds. It's just that they, I mean, that's not what they do. They don't, they, they don't work. They, uh, they don't catch one pop fly in, in practice ever. And, and uh, on top of that, to be, you know, on the mound, running around trying to, trying to figure out where the ball is going to spin back to, um, and it's a bit of a problem. I mean, I, I'm okay with trying it, but I understand why clubs don't want pitchers even involved, especially where the ball was hit as high as that one in, in Kansas City was. That ball was monstrously high, and uh, which was which was part of the problem. It, was, it gave the corner infielders a lot of time to both converge, you know, on the ball. So that's that's the second question. The first question is, you know, what happened? I've seen what happened minus the injury uh, a million times where two guys are the whole infield when the ball's that high the whole infield goes in wanting to wanting to try and catch the ball and it, it came down to the first baseman and the third baseman had the best shots at it and so they're both calling like mad they're yelling i got it i got it i got it as loud as i can they can't hear the other one i mean i've, I've seen it like I said, a million times. And then one of them catches the ball, there's a little bit of a collision or, or something, but you know, one, of them, one of them catches it. So two things I will say about what happened. First, it's a freak injury, the way Arise came across the mound, bumped into Acevedo, which spun him around a little bit and got his foot caught underneath Acevedo's foot. And then his body momentum carried him further without his foot being able to move, and it twisted, it, you know, it twisted his ankle. So, I mean, a very fluke fluke play uh, that I've seen, you know, happen a million times without anybody getting hurt. The second thing that I would say, and I said it on the broadcast as well, I have seen veteran pitchers, Jim Cott, I I know I've seen him do this, uh, you know, four or five, six times, uh, for example. When two guys, you know, the pitchers, you can't really call somebody's name because they're both calling it it, as loud as they can. So one more voice is not going to do anything. But what what Kitty would do is he would pick out the guy that he wanted to catch the ball, and he'd go grab the other guy. He'd just grab him, say, nope, you stay over here, pal. i got my other guy over here who's going to catch it. Yeah. And that probably would have been help, helpful for the for the pitcher to do something something along those lines. But, again, there's no reason for Arise or anybody else not to play in that game, no reason to think that uh, on that play there was going to be any any chance of injury. It was just one of those freak, unfortunate things. He's Roy Smalley. He's a World Series champion, Fox Sports North analyst, and a weekly guest here on Mackey and Judd with Rami on the all-new Score North. And by the way, you can listen to Twins playoff games as long as they go. We will be running uh, ESPN Radio's coverage of Twins playoff games right here on Score North, in addition to our five-day-a-week Twins show, which will be much more than five days a week as long as the Twins keep playing, and uh, and they will this weekend. So... Uh, you, you, you got that taste and that splash of champagne in 1987 of, of postseason play. Um, you know, baseball, baseball has gone through a lot of changes, but I think the spirit of October baseball and the intensity of October baseball is apples to apples. What, explain to us and our audience, what is your favorite part about October high pressure baseball? It's just that it's the it's human performance at on a on a big stage with so much at stake, right? I mean, it, it just every every you say, okay, this is this is the playoffs, and it and it ratchets up uh, the intensity, and then you have you know trying to get to the World Series, and I mean it ratchets up in intensity, and you've got gigantic crowds, and it does that, and and the import of the games, and then then ultimately it's 
who can who can perform uh, under uh, under those conditions and what we see uh, every year is guys you know doing incredible things athletically on a baseball field hitting and diving and catching and, and and pitching and different things and I just don't think there's anything like it it's my favorite time of year yeah uh Roy just d- does your gut lean twins in this series just last 30 seconds before we say bye yeah, I, I really I, I'm I'm leaning that way. If if they get one of the games in in New York, and they've been such a great road team all all year long, Yankee Stadium's not going to bother them. If they get at least one of those games, it's going to be some kind of fun when they come back here to to uh, Target Field on uh, Monday and Tuesday. And and uh, my uh, my gut will be uh, even more with them if they can get one of those games. Right on, Roy Smalley, uh, powered by Doug's Power Equipment in Blaine, on the Mackie and Judd with Rami show. And we'll catch up with you next week. And it'd be kind of fun next week if we were either talking about a potential game four or even just uh, recapping a twin sweep, I guess. One, one can dream, right? Absolutely. <laughs> All right. See you, Roy. See you, guys. 1987 World Series champion. Which way Which way do you guys lean right now? As we sit here right now on this Tuesday, uh, Judd's going to be out in New York later this week for Score North, scorenorth.com, Score North Twin Show. What does your gut say about this series right now? Twins and four. I said it and write that down on Friday. And that wasn't... Look, sometimes we make predictions and write that down just because it's Friday and it's write that down and we have to make predictions. Um, I meant that one. I I think the Twins win this thing in four games. And I think they bomba their way to that series victory. I really do. I think they're just getting... I mean, home field advantage to me is nullified when you're going against this Twins team at Yankee Stadium because of what Roy just said how good the Twins have been on the road, and a home-run friendly ballpark, to me, plays into the Twins' hands. This, they're going to play the style of baseball that they want to play there, and I think that they're as good as anybody at playing that style of baseball. Uh, it's going to go five games. I say the Twins win it, but it's very much uh, incumbent upon how Barrios, in my mind, pitches too. If Barrios pitches how he can pitch, they're going to be in decent shape. I would still like to see him start game one. I Because I... I hitch my wagon to him pitching wise and say, "All right, big boy, go do it." And can you kind of, if he starts game one, at least you can have a feel for exactly. All right, what happened in game one? What's Jose Barrios going to bring to the table? And and now and you if he reassess. goes six in game one, it's going to feel real then, because then you're going to say, "Okay, great chance here." But I'll say Twins and five. I'm with Judd on the five. I just I almost feel like take strategic breakdowns out of it here. I feel like if you're going to slay the Yankees finally after all these years, and this is where actually I disagree with Roy Smalley. I absolutely, I care about what happened just in terms of storyline and <laughs> the way, just the weight of the Yankees dominating the Twins that the fans feel. And I know that the, a lot of these players have just no recollection of it. Right. Some do from two years ago. But he's still thinking game. like a player. Uh, but like, you know, the players get the same questions and they, they feel the weight not as much as the fans who've been around for, you know, the 15, 20 years. But I, I almost feel like symbolically, if you're going to slay this dragon, as Dave St. Peter said, it's going to have to go five games. Like, it's just going to be peak stress and peak anxiety and the peak number of games that you would have in I the think, LDS. I think the perfect approach to take to something like this is what the Cubs were saying about the curse and 108 years in 2016. And Joe Madden said, look, we know that's out there. It, we And we want to end that for Cubs fans. We don't think about it, but we know it's something that they live with and have been hearing about for a long, long time. And we So we want to end that drought for Cubs fans. Does it affect how we go out on the field and play? No. But is it is it something that we, that we know, that we hear, that we think about in a way? Yeah, it's out there. You can't avoid it. But we're not scared by it by any means. Yeah. 
Um, so this is going to be a super fun week. We're sending Judd out to New York. So Judd's going to be doing the Score North Twin Show, Mackie and Judd with Rami, basically from uh, Aaron Boone's managerial he's office. He's glad to have Doing me. a recon. He's looking forward to it. Yeah, he's going to ask but for I some do line think of an ISDN line in, in his office well, he for d- you. He doesn't mind. Oh, Media nice. friendly as it gets. Oh, yeah, for sure. But I do think that, that Cruz and Gonzalez and guys like that don't care. I also think another very important part to this team probably being pretty calm about this thing is what we talked about on the Twin Show a few months back, the Zen of Rocco. I think he sort of got that mm-hmm. Phil Jackson thing. It's the opposite of the vibe that Guardy exactly. gave Exactly. Guardy was anxiety, anxiety, Because if anxiety. you go into that series and you're Baldelli and you're like, oh my God, oh, okay, okay. It's not the former team, but it's still the, it's the Yankees. And, but he's not going to do that. Mm-hmm. And I think that sort of that Zen becomes important. And it sounds trite and you know chemistry and culture and things like that. But I think to athletes, it's important. Because Cruz and Gonzalez can carry the weight of being like, it's no big deal. But if Rocco came in, he's like, oh boy, it's no big deal, right? Then it changes that vibe. He doesn't have that vibe. Like that switch, that switch with Rocco to get like uptight, I don't think it exists. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think Rocco is going to be, ultimately the players have to go out there and hit the home yeah. runs and Brios has to shut down uh, one of the best lineups we've seen in the last 10 years of baseball. But having a manager that just, that you can sort of Get a read off of, and everything's cool. Hey, it's okay. You lose game one. Not the end of the world. Mm-hmm. As opposed to the alarm bells going off with some of these other Twins teams. Didn't it, I read somewhere Rocco's been to like 30 fish concerts? Yeah. Yeah, he's huge fish guy. Just like you. He's, I've been he's to, mellowed out. I've been to 15 myself, and I'm just here to tell you, people who've been to that many fish concerts don't tend to freak out about much, man. <laughs> <laughs> pretty chill. We're pretty, pretty chill. chill yeah. oh, we're laying back. We don't really panic about anything. Mackie and Joe with Rami. Quick reminder, we're trying to give away $10,000. We are trying to give away $10,000, and here's how you can have your shot at $10,000. If you can predict who hits the first playoff home run for the Twins, you'll be entered to win $1,000. If that first home run of the postseason for the Twins is a grand slam, the prize jumps to $10,000. Here's how you enter. It's called Bombas Away for 10K. You download the free Score North mobile app, available for Apple, Android. Again, it's free to download, and you can find all of our live and on-demand programming and written content. So download the app. Step two, register on the app. And step three, enter the contest through listener rewards for your chance to win 10K off of the Twins' first playoff bomba. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami on the all-new Score North and the Score North mobile app. And before we go anywhere else, let's talk about, in fact, let's, let's bring Rami in here because we need to have a discussion about your television, okay? We do. I heard you a little while ago. Yes. Last commercial break. Yes. Saying, hey, you know, uh, Got a Target across the street, and I'm in the market for a new TV. And we're like two months from Black Friday? Less yeah. than two months from Black Friday? So, I mean, my obvious recommendation would be a TCL 4K Roku TV. Well, of course. America's fastest growing TV brand. Of course. So, I guess I'm wondering, what are all the things that you're looking for in a TV? How can I help convince you that TCL is the TV I need a good you? picture. Okay, check. need good sound. Yeah, well, they've got the TCL Alto soundbar now, which works with... Any TV, but it works. Did you say bar? Best with TCL TV, not, not that. Not that kind of bar. Oh, okay. Sorry, Judd. Oh, different bar. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I need you know all the latest technology, like the TV itself being Roku enabled. That yeah. works. That's with no nice. cords. No cords. Yeah. No nothing. Five thousand plus streaming channels. If you're a cord cutter, you don't even need to worry about paying ten thousand dollars a month for cable or satellite or whatever they're charging now. And I mean, then, you're gonna have to pay something for those platforms. And then I just need snacks, yeah. and I'm happy. Okay, well, TCL I'm can't good. serve you snacks. Actually, I can't shoot warning. Doritos out of it. No, sorry. Hey, 
TCL apologizes they can't shoot Doritos out of the TV, but they can do pretty much anything else. TCL America's fastest growing TV brand. Mackie and Jeff with Rami. Jonathan here with the Score North download and with the Twins-Yankees Game 1 approaching on Friday. Rocco Baldelli talked to the press today and our own Derek Wetmore asked him who he plans on starting for Game 1. And here's that exchange. I'm starting Game 1. Yes. Are you I have willing? a pretty good feeling about who's going to start game one. Are you willing to share that today? No, we're going to wait until uh, the very last minute to um, talk about <laughs> what any of our players are going to be doing. Shoot your, shoot your shot, what more? Yeah, he tried. Shoot your shot, baby. He tried. I guess uh, that's <laughs> kind of what kind of to be expected at this point, heading into a very, very big playoff series against the Yankees. Let us know who you would start for game one, game two, game three. Hopefully... That's all it takes for the Twins to get a win, get a series win. Let us know over at Score North on Twitter, at SKO North on Twitter. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Mackie and Judd with Rami. Thank you, Jonathan. I'm 1500scorenorth.com and the Score North mobile app. I love that. That's that's Dude. what I want for my manager. I want espionage. I want covert operations. I got another one for you. Don't give out anything you don't have to give out till the absolute last second. And even then, try to be as misleading as possible. <laughs> Just don't get yourself with, with, are you, Like, how far do you take that though? With everything, like in baseball or life, Rocco? What what color is the sky? <laughs> are we talking baseball or Rocco life right now? Rocco won't tell you, so it's it's a non-starter with Rocco. Pat came into my office today, Roycey, and he goes, "Rocco was just on MLB Network for twelve minutes and said nothing." <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> they pay him well. He says nothing. Says nothing. Here's another one. This isn't secretive. This I, I, this is just badass, and I love it. And it's it's just such a difference. And it's kind of what we were talking about before the break. There, uh, direct quote here. Uh, this is from Rand, uh, Randball from uh, Star Tribune tweeted a quote: "Rocco on the Yankee Stadium environment in the playoffs." Quote: "I don't find it intimidating at all. Love it. Yeah. And the other thing is, they're also right." The old ballpark was just sort of this. a New Year's Eve carnival. Like, I loved it, but the old park was really, really an odd place. Now, now, I have, until I go there on Friday, I have not covered a game there, but my understanding across the board is this place is a sterile environment. It's not, and I mean, it it's, doesn't have. It's, it ain't, it's, it's not a church. It's you another know, ballpark. It's, it's no, just but it's an, not it's, Yankee Stadium. Yeah, uh, that's fair. I think the old Yankee Stadium had. An aura about it. That was the dude. That's the same stadium where Roger Maris, Joe DiMaggio, Babe Ruth, like go down the list of names, and not to mention the other historic players who came to town to face the Yankees and play them. I think old ballparks do have that aura about them that can add a little bit of electricity, and depending on the person, maybe add a little bit of nervousness to the to the stew that is that is your emotions leading into a baseball game. But everything I understand about New Yankee Stadium is. It's just a ballpark. It doesn't have any of that. It doesn't yeah. have no ghost of Ruth, right? Really, the, the the intimidating thing about Yankee Stadium isn't the stadium or the atmosphere of the environment. It's Aaron Judge and right. Giancarlo Stanton, yeah, and one of the best lineups that we're going to see in ten years, right? Uh, but the fact that the manager is up there saying, "I mean, it's not intimidating. I'm very zen." I'm meditating right He's now. He's going to be completely I just calm. went to my 70th And you saw Gardy, though. <laughs> you saw Gardy, they'd freak out. Yeah, I've told, I love Gardy, and I think Gardy was a great manager in his heyday. Gardy from, like, 2001 through 2010 or 11, though, there there were a lot of Twins teams that should had no business winning 90-plus games. And Gardy would squeeze 
value out of teams, especially in the early 2000s, that just really, like like I said, they really had no business doing as well as they did. And then it, it would show in series against the Yankees where the, the, the lineups just didn't look the same. But I one time had somebody on the staff tell me off the record after like the third Yankee drubbing or fourth Yankee drubbing, I think it was the fourth one, <laughs> said there's a nervous energy that just there's there's nobody calming the nervous energy. Not that it always stems from Guardy, but that the, the team is nervous and the coaching staff feels nervous and it's palpable. And even with ninety plus win twins teams that should have been at least going toe to toe, whether they couldn't stop staring at the pinstripes or, or or they couldn't stop thinking about the history, that stuff you can throw out the window for this team. I I'm still fascinated by it as an onlooker. I think it's there's an amazing narrative here and there's a David Goliath thing in play that um, that the twins need to slay, or as Dave St. Peter said, slay the dragon. So we'll see what happens. And like I was saying to to, or after we talked with Royce Molly, I don't think that this team really feels pressure. I don't. I think it trickles down from Rocco Baldelli. I don't think it it's, yeah. it starts and stops with him. I think it trickles down from Rocco Baldelli, and this team just doesn't feel it. It's it's a fish concert in there. It's a fish concert in that locker room. Everybody's just, are they getting high? Everybody's just. Chilling, are, are you insinuating man. that are you, they are? Are you a narc? Are you insinuating that they're smoking? If you're a cop, you have to tell me. That they're sm- no. If you're a cop, you have to tell me. I lost my job as a cop. Okay. I'm a lawyer now. Cram session next. Mackie and Jeff with Robbie. Firm butt slap or soft one? TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. Who's the winner? Some may say none of them. But let the games begin. Three questions, one winner. It's Cram Session with Mackie, Judd, and Rami. A corrupt judge, Jonathan Harrison, who awards points based on who he thinks answered the question in the best fashion. Three questions. Or who answered the question referring to soccer the most amount of times. Yeah. Really. Just make Jonathan happy. That's, That's how you win in That's pretty much all session. I'm asking yeah. for in life. Yep. That's so hard. Which is exactly what Rami didn't do the last time we played yeah. this game. Yeah. So we're, we're going to go through cram session here, but just to look ahead in about 15 minutes... I sat down with Andrew Wiggins yesterday at Timberwolves Media Day, and we're going to play that back. You, the new president of the Andrew Wiggins fan club. I wouldn't say president yet, but definitely a senior director. Okay. Definitely a senior director. Yeah. All right. Maybe like a vice president. Director of communications. Yeah. Just a quick move up the organization from a guy who's protesting outside the building. Just last season, yeah. now you're true. in the director board of directors. It's true. And and, and yeah. Wiggins in 2020. <laughs> <laughs> and Great we will get player. to it, but I think he he has known. It's not like he listens. He's he's much like Joe Maurer. He doesn't really pay much attention to media, but he knows. He knows what's been said, and he knows how critical I have been. And he agreed, either despite or because of it, agreed to sit down for a few minutes, and uh, and we, we talked a few things out. So we'll get to that soon. But Jonathan Harrison, what's question number We'll start off with question number one. It wasn't good from Kirk Cousins on Sunday. We all know that. We've been talking about it for the past 48 hours. Would you bench at some point this season, if it gets bad enough, would you bench Kirk Cousins? Why or why not? I would. And it has nothing to do with winning or losing football games now. I would because I have determined the Kirk Cousins era is not going to end in a Super Bowl. It's not going to happen. Whoa. whoa. It's not going to happen. Easy. It's simply <laughs> not going to happen. Does this lose him the point? So, 
That being the case, I'm trying to tank now, and I'm trying to get out of the Kirk Cousins era as quickly as I possibly can, and this is a guy with a no-trade clause. So I look at Kirk, and I go, hey, Kirk, you want a new, you want another contract after this? You're not getting it from us, but do you want a new contract from anybody after this? Because you have two choices at this point. You can accept the trade and go play somewhere else and audition for your next contract, or you can be a $28 million paperweight for us. Nobody will see you for oh, no, almost... Rami. No, Rami. Don't say it, Rami. Nobody will see you for almost two full seasons, <laughs> and you, Pull it back, and you will get jack squat at the end of the 2020 season. I would bench Kirk Cousins just to get him to waive his no-trade clause and be able to get out of this as soon as I possibly can. Um, I, w- I wouldn't bench him because you still have a win-now roster. You still have a win-now coach. Everything everything is pointing to win-now, win-now, win-now. And so I, I'm going to keep going down this path. And, sh- I mean, Sean Mannion is a backup. He's not. And, by the way, like, I'm trying to lose games. That's, I don't know if that came through in what I was saying. No, it did. I am tanking. It came through. Kirk Cousins probably isn't the only trade I'm making. Diggs, Rhodes. And I'm trying to get to the playoffs still. Eh. I'm still trying to get to the playoffs. playoffs. Um, and I just wrote a quick aside before I answer the rest of the question. Mm-hmm. I don't want to hear a peep. We're, I know we're going to get the Kyle Slaughter Bobos who are going to be yeah. this team more vocal now with Kurt, with Kyle Slaughter. Look around the league right now. There are some disaster quarterback situations around the league right now. If and, and not even counting like the backup quarterback situations, which he is not one of those either because he's on a practice squad in Arizona. So I just want to cut you guys off at the pass. If you're if you got your Kyle Slaughter jersey on. Or you're in Kyle Slaughter's family and you're tweeting people like, don't tweet me. Okay, just don't, don't, don't tweet Do me. Do people actually have, besides maybe his family, Kyle Slaughter? He jerseys? sells his own T-shirt. I know he sells a T-shirt, but did Dude, someone get actually into a buy game a before you sell a T-shirt? I want to know if someone actually bought a jersey. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure there's some custom jerseys out there. Um, but I would, from this point forward, I would have my eye open for the next Vikings quarterback, whether that's a trade. Or a draft pick if there's somebody that I like in the first round, and this is a Rami yeah, saying you got to get bad. You got to get bad. You don't necessarily have to be drafting top ten to get your franchise quarterback, but it helps. Mm, yeah, it helps. It really helps. So I'm from this. I'm I'm trying to win still because it's still so early in the year, and you're two and two. It's like it's a, you're not zero and four. You're not the Broncos right now. I'm trying to win, but I'm also out of, out of the other side of my vision over here. I'm looking at the next Vikings quarterback and what my path is to that. So I'm not fully. Attentive to that path, but I'm attentive to it. I'm not benching him right now, and I'm not going to bench him before a game, but I'm itching to bench him, and here's how I do it. I got the game. I got the time. I got the place. Ooh. October 24th is a Thursday night. Kirk's former team, a terrible Washington club in town, but it's a primetime game, and this bozo is going to believe, I got to go out and show the Redskins they made a big mistake. Which means that he almost certainly is going to have another one of these cumble, uh, Cousins fumbleitis games in which he throws the ball away as he goes to the ground because he doesn't want to get hit. We saw it on Sunday. And that is when that is when I'm itching to scratch him and bring in Sean Mannion because Sean Mannion can beat Washington. He might not be good, but it's Washington. It's perfect. It's a primetime game. That's my number one. If everything goes well because Washington's terrible, I don't think it will, but let's say it does, then I've got November 10th at Dallas written down. That's a sure cousin's fold. That's a primetime game again. And that's when I'm taking him out. I'm putting Mannion in. And I'm telling Kirk, do you realize that you are being replaced by a career backup because your own teammates no longer believe that you are capable of doing anything right? And so you are out now. 
And from there on, I don't even know what I'm going to do. But I don't care. What I want to do is make a statement to the players on this team that I've got their back. And their quarterback, he doesn't really. So I'm itching to scratch. Fair enough. <laughs> itching? Wow, okay. All I can envision is like Judd scratching Sean Mannion now. I, I don't know. It's just... No, I'm itching to take a notepad out and scratch Kirk Cousins okay. off it. Okay. That turned really weird. I was leaning towards yes when I wrote this question, so sorry, Phil, you're out on here. Originally, when Rami came up with his yes, I'm like, ooh, I'm, I'm in for this. I, I, I do agree that the Cousins era will not end in a Super Bowl. I just don't see him leading this team to a Super Bowl. But then you had to go and mention Kyle Slaughter. You just had to go and mention Who mentioned? I didn't mention Kyle Slaughter. I didn't jokingly, mention him. I stayed out of the conversation entirely. Yeah, you I said, didn't mention him at all. You said this team like, would be 4-0 with Kyle Slaughter. Oh, I was being sarcastic, know, but, man. Come on. But you know those Kyle Slaughter, like Slaughter bobos will just cut that one piece of audio, much like I do every once in a while, and use mm-hmm. that just for their advantage. So, sorry, Rami, you're they out here. They don't have those capabilities. Eh, this is nuts. Jonathan's itching to scratch cousins, too. Yeah. Right out of line. I just like the vindictiveness here. I just like the mean-spiritedness of Judd Zolgad scratching him in maybe the most important game Kirk Cousins has circled on the calendar. But Judd, you're getting the point. All right, and as we heard in the Scorner Download last segment, Rocco won't announce who his starting pitcher will be until the absolutely last moment he can. So, boys, who are your starting two pitchers for Game 1 and Game 2? So let me let me take a stab at this because I've I, actually I've had a – Patrick Royce and I had a couple of really great baseball conversations today. One was about uh, Rocco Baldelli saying nothing on MLB Network, and the other one was about how do you craft your starting pitching strategy against New York. And Randy Dobnak, for me, starts a game in New York, period. I'm starting Randy Dobnak in Game 2, because that's Game 2 is kind of my bullpen game, and Dobnak is, is probably like the lead bullpenning starter. He's a starter, but he's he's a guy that you're not gonna you're not gonna run him out there for like seven innings, so probably four or five innings and see what happens. So he's he's my bullpenning game, but he's gonna go longer than just one or two innings. And I'm plop I'm I'm plopping him in for game two because my bullpen gets a full day to rest before you go and play on Monday at Target Field. So now you have to make a decision. Do you start who's been your best starting pitcher all year and most electric starting pitcher in Jose Barrios, who's also a little bit of a nervous guy, right? Like I saw Someone tweeted at the workout, it's pouring rain outside. He was outside playing long toss in the pouring rain today. Like, Pushing cars just, around the outfield, I'm sure. Like, like he just can't. He's got to get his man. long toss in, man. Got to get that long toss in. Yeah, but like it's pouring rain. There's not another. If only. You couldn't just head over to like US Bank Stadium and do it inside where you're not going to get rained on? I think this is Jose Barrios protesting that they didn't put a roof on it. Oh. Like, I'm going to go out and well, get my long toss in, roof or no roof. I hope roof. the judge is listening to all this and taking <laughs> oh, into account. the judge is certainly listening. Couldn't even get a proper workout in today. So my... They didn't put a roof on it. My initial thought was... so unprepared for this series. Yeah, all because there is no roof right on... Now. All because there is no roof on Target Field. They're going to come in ill-prepared for the New York Yankees in the first playoff series that you've had in how many years? Ten years? Nice. You've had a series nine, nine years. Okay, don't. And it's, now it's they're gonna, and now they're not going to be ready, all because of today, and they couldn't put a roof on it. Just ridiculous. You done yet? Absolutely ridiculous. You done? Yeah. Okay. Was that your answer? Because you might as well not answer. <laughs> just letting you know. Yeah. Might as well just go to Judd right after this. I don't so, think Phil's done yet. So my first thought was Jake Odorizzi. I feel like is a more has a more trustworthy uh, mindset to not. Just completely go bonkers in game one. But if you hold off Jose Barrios till game three, what are you what are you saying to him? Are you wrecking his confidence? 
I'd run Barrios out there for game one and let the chips fall where they may. And if he's amazing, you win the series. If he's not, you know what you're dealing with the rest of the way. And then I go Dobnak in game two and Jake Odorizzi game three in a uh, larger ballpark. He's a fly ball pitcher. That's what that's how I roll. I said the, the same thing after we talked to Smalley, and I agree completely. You go to Barrios and say, Jose, you know what? It's not always perfect, but if we have an ace, you are it, and we need you, and we need, let's say, six. We need six. We need them in game one in Yankee Stadium. And let's say he gives up five or something, okay? Well, you could score eight. You could score ten. And if your bullpen comes in on the heels of that and pitches as well as you expect, it's absolutely fine. So, Brios game one. Dobnik, I I think you can go to Randy now and say, give me five, don't you? I mean, he's pitched well. And so, but if you win game one there, and it's Brios, and and he pitches well, and then you can bring him back in game five, you've set yourself up in great shape. Everything else feels like it's sort of manufactured and attempting to be cute to get around Brios pitching. I go to Brios and say, we're not doing that. You're starting game one. Yeah. I like both of your guys' plan. I mean... I, I can't. You guys both made the same points, so you each get half a point here. You guys are going to split it. So cousins like Ty. I didn't even get to answer. No, you did answer. Well, you did answer with a long. Can I just put, add one thing to what I said before? You, you like try. to apologize for your, your put a roof on it take? Hashtag put a roof on it. That's all. Can we bust him again? I can just turn off his mic. Should I just do that? Oh, yeah. That'd be, that's even yeah. better. All right. So question three. Now that we got half See, a point for the ball all over Yankee Stadium on Friday because they're going to get practice today. We'll see. Well, well see. Yankee Stadium doesn't be, have a roof on it. It's going to be chilly there, too, yeah, I think. That's even if they get What's to play. What's going to happen? We'll see when they actually start the series. Oh, if they don't get to play and I'm there and they're not playing and then I have to go to a bar? Oh, no. What oh, is really? Judd going to do with another yeah. day in New York what with all I, those bars? What would I do when I'm in a cab going to Midtown? <laughs> oh, that'll be awful. I mean, Judd will be fine. I, don't, I worry about the rest of Twins Nation. That's just me, though. I'm not selfish like Judd. I don't think you do worry about Twins Nation. Uh, next question. <laughs> the three teams we expected to be the best three have done exactly that through the first three weeks of the NFL, or four, first four weeks of the NFL season. So I've, each assi- I've assigned each of you a team, and I want you to tell me why that team will not win the Super Bowl. Phil, you're getting the 4-0 Chiefs. Judd, you're getting the 4-0 Patriots. And Rami, you're getting the 3-1 Rams. Can I go first? Sure. 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 All right, hold on. I've got to put my glasses on because I did a bunch of work on this question because I take it very seriously. Okay, here's why. Here's why the Patriots... Do not be fooled by teams, even when they're good, that are beating up on awful teams. The Patriots are 4-0 because they've beaten Pittsburgh 1-3. and And by the way, they beat the Bengals last night. And I, I've got a feeling that the four of us in these two rooms could put together a team these days and beat the Bengals. They then beat the Dolphins, who are 0-4 and have something like 36 points scored in four games. They then beat the Jets, who were on a bye and are 0-3. And yes, they came back and beat the Bills, who were 3-1. and one. Nonetheless, that means in their first uh, four games, the New England Patriots have beat teams that are combined overall the season 4-11, and 11, including three teams that are 1-10. and 10. They will play Washington this coming weekend. Washington is worse than Cincinnati, 0-4. That means they will have beaten teams that are combined 4-15. and 15. The New England Patriots won't win the Super Bowl because their schedule actually at some point in time is going to get tough. And right now, we're fooled into thinking the Belichickians are fantastic because they're beating up on, not bad, but for the most part, Mm -hmm. terrible football teams. 
Should I go second? I mean, sure. Okay. I'll it be doesn't more... even matter how or what I answer to this. Oh. Again, for the no, second no, I mean, straight Ronnie week. Can go ahead and take a stab. I got the Rams, mm-hmm. and I'll give this a real a real stab. I'll give a real answer to it. Did you do research? Um, I'm starting to wonder, the more I watch him, if Jared Goff is a system quarterback. Are you guys on the same page yeah. with that? Yes, I'm with you. I've never been all that impressed by him, and the more I watch him, the more I think what success he has had in this league is largely because of Sean McVay's system. And Sean McVay, a brilliant offensive mind, but at the same time, I feel like... An offensive coach's best chance to lead his team to a Super Bowl is early on before people start figuring out that offense and make adjustments to it. And I think we're starting. I mean, they scored a bunch of points, but still a lot of those points came late where you were sort of in panic mode and just throwing the ball up against the Buccaneers. And you can do that against the Buccaneers. I think teams are starting to catch up. I'm not saying they've caught up, but I think teams are starting to catch up to Sean McVay and his system, making Jared Goff less effective. And on top of all that, you don't have the Todd Gurley who you've had in recent years. So that's why I would say that's what I think could stop the St. Louis Rams from winning a Super Bowl. Los Angeles Rams. I have the Kansas City Chiefs, and my answer is two words. Andy (laughs) Reid. I was just talking about this with somebody last night. He is the greatest coach to never win a Super Bowl. He has won 211 career games regular season and postseason, and none of them are Super Bowls. Andy Reid. So you're saying pressure gets to Andy Reid. Something. Under pressure. I'm, I'm going to give the point to Rami, thus meaning hey, hey. Judd wins today. I do believe Jared Goff is a system quarterback. The book is out there. Bill Belichick put it out in the Super Bowl last year, and teams are starting to copy it. So, yeah, See the Rams will not win the Super Bowl because of Jared Goff. Nice. All right. So when we come back here. So who won? Judd won. Oh, he did. I got a half one, one and a half one. to half to one yep. today. That was really a Good luck to loyal today. listener Marcus, who keeps track of our scores. I don't know how you're going to score that one, but we appreciate it. Um, we're going to come back, and Andrew Wiggins joined me yesterday at Wolves Media Day. You might think, wait a second, you've been destroying him for four years. Why would he walk into the same room with you and uh, give you the time of day? Well, he did. I can't wait to hear this, by the way. And we talked about some things. All right, welcome back. It's Mackie and Jeb with Rami on the all-new Score North and the Score North mobile app. Your home all October for playoff baseball, the World Series, and yes, that includes Minnesota Twins playoff baseball. You'll find we're basically going to do a pregame show, Mackie and Jeb with Rami, on Friday night till 6 o'clock, leading up to first pitch. You'll find ESPN Radio's coverage of Game 1 between the Twins and the Yankees after that. But I went out with Danny Cunningham yesterday to Wolves Media Day. You can find sit-downs with him and Ryan Saunders and Gerson Rosas on the Raised by Wolves podcast feed, available at scorenorth.com. And also available anywhere you find podcasts. But uh, the Wolves, a couple days ago, reached out and said, Hey, you want to sit down with Andrew Wiggins? And I was like, (laughs) I'm sorry, did you text this to the wrong person? (laughs) Why would he ever want to enter a room with me? Yeah. Why would, like, after four years, is it fair to say that I was probably the first in terms of people with microphones in this town? Like, I jumped off that bandwagon first and have been as hypercritical as anyone of him. I mean, Yep. Okay. No, I thought maybe he had no clue about that, but you no, definitely he, were one of the. He's not like he's not like hate following me every day on you yeah. know social, but he was aware. Okay. And uh, and I think people on the staff kind of made him more aware that hey, this is. And he said, "All right, let's let's sit down." And so, um, you so know, they got you because you were a uh, Andrew Wiggins doubter. Yes. 
They specifically reached out to you, the Andrew Wiggins yeah. doubter, to come and interview Andrew yeah. Wiggins. And I think doubter I, doesn't begin to scratch the surface. <laughs> I was being nice, and I think the why is twofold. I have I'm on the record saying I am buying Andrew Wiggins stock this upcoming season because I think they're gonna. I don't think they're going to turn him into Kevin Durant, but I think they're going to fix a lot of the things that need to be fixed with him okay. to make him a better version of him. Um, and so let's just let's just roll tape. This is I had a conversation with Andrew Wiggins yesterday. So our our audience from a basketball perspective. Uh, our audience knows that I've been I've been really hard on you for four years. Uh-huh. Um, I see, I the reason why is I see games like Oklahoma City last mm-hmm. year, forty, ten, and seven. Mm-hmm. Um, you get to the line eighteen times, and I, and I I see what you are when you are at your peak. Yeah, and I think I'm critical of my expectation is in that is in that gap, mm-hmm. and I guess I'm wondering you know, for people like me that have been critical, saying, hey, you know, there's. Andrew could be this. He's not. He's not at the level. Is that fair? And and what do you say to people like me or or critics that have followed you the last few years? Um, I can get better. You know, there's always room for improvement. Um, I feel like my first three years, I was on the rise, getting better, and better, and then <clears throat> as changes were made, I feel like there was a little decline. You know, but I worked really hard this summer, uh, and I'm. As confident as I was, you know, when I first came in the league. Yeah, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong or if I'm an idiot on this, but as an as an amateur observer of your game and of of the, the clearly the systems that that are going to be implemented here, mm-hmm. I feel like getting to the rim for you and finding two or three spots from behind the arc. Mm-hmm. I feel like that like those are the sweet spots. I feel yeah. like that if you, it, we talk about efficiency in the NBA and you look at teams yeah. like the I mean the Warriors and the Rockets are just maximizing. Mm-hmm. Uh, points per shot, and yeah. that's a, that's stuff that you guys are talking about now. I mean, getting to the rim and and three pointers. I think just focusing on those things again, just my amateur opinion. But what do you think? Um, I think it'll be good for us um, because obviously the mid range shot is you know probably the lowest percentage shot you can take. You know, but I've always been a player as if like if it's a good shot, take it. You know, you take what the defense gives you. You know, but obviously the better shots are the threes, and you know, and getting all the way to the rim. You know, and that's what they're trying to implement in the in the offense. Uh, I feel like it's been it's been going well because we're playing faster. You know, everyone's no one's afraid to shoot. Everyone has a green light to shoot. You know, if you're open, shoot the ball. And I feel like someone that you know, someone that comes from a different team that uh, may not have shot threes, and they come here and now everyone's telling telling them when they're open, shoot the ball. I feel like that's a different type of confidence, especially when the coach is telling you shoot the ball. You know, I feel like. That makes your confidence go out the roof, and with confidence, you can see the shot go in. Yeah, he's saying shoot the ball, except in these red dot areas, and then yeah. except for those areas. As long as behind the three shooting. Yeah. <laughs> what's 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 your favorite part about your game? What's the like? What's uh, the what's the, the the ride or die part about your game? And you can't tell me you can't say twenty foot jumpers anymore because I've seen those, <laughs> I've seen those red dots in the practice facility, and I know that they're not going to let anyone take those shots anymore. Yeah, just get into the rim. You know, I like getting to the rim, slashing. Yeah, you no, know, that's the main thing, and also I love to shoot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, what do you think? What do you think this team is capable of mm-hmm. in the next two to three years? What are What are your? I mean, you're one of the leaders on this team. Yeah, uh, you and Carl Anthony Towns. This thing is right yeah. now. It's built around you guys. What yeah. What do you expect the next two or three? Um, I expect to get better every year. You no, know, and I feel like this is a this will be a big year for us. You know, because everybody's new. Not everybody, but majority of the team is new, you know, but everyone has a positive energy to where it's different. Everyone's willing to learn, 
you know, and get better. The whole group has been here weeks before even training camp has started, you know, just preparing and trying to build up the chemistry. But I think the three years, it's, it's up to us. You know, it's really up to us. You know, if we play good and play how we know we can play, then we can make the playoffs and we can battle. Yeah. We can battle anybody. Uh, Andrew, what, ty- what type of a coach is Ryan Saunders, and how do you react best to coaching? Uh, he's, a, he's, a, he's a player's coach, you know, for sure. Uh, has a great energy about him. You know, I feel like a lot of guys can relate because he's not too much older than us. You know, and I feel like he gets us. He understands us, and he tries to put us in the environment that we're most comfortable in. Uh, but what kind of stuff do I react to as <clears throat> as a player from a coach? Um, I would say just talking, being real. You know, all that yelling and stuff is not. I feel like it's not really going to change my mood. But when a coach comes at me and be and is real and tells me the real, and I feel like I respect that a lot more than anyone just yelling. I feel like anyone can yell. Anyone can raise their voice. Yeah. But not a lot of people can be real. So that goes a long way for me. How has how has it been being a father? Oh, it's been good. You know, there's nothing like it. It's a, it's a different type of love. Yeah, I see. I mean, your, your Instagram, you're, you're clearly a proud parent. I mean, how much um, or in what ways has uh, becoming a parent changed you or altered your life for, for, for the better? Oh, it just gives you something else to live for. Something else to look forward for, you know, um, every day you wake up wanting to see, you know, your child smile and, you know, have fun. And you always want the best for your child. So uh, I think it made me more grateful, you know, for life and more appreciative. Yeah. Um, I also I also noticed, I didn't know this about you, that mm-hmm. you have a rescue dog mm-hmm. at home. Yeah. What, how, how old, what, what was the circumstance for you getting a rescue dog? Um, She's three now. Her name is Cassie. Uh... I got her obviously three years ago from Happy Tales Rescue. Uh, me and my sister, my friend, we went down to you know rescue. We we're just looking at dogs, <clears throat> you know. And I seen this one dog. And I thought, oh, it's a cute dog. And I brought it home, and now it's my dog. Yeah, <laughs> I, I grew up around animals on a hobby farm, and, yeah. and we've all like. Sometimes my fiance and I will just go to the Humane Society, not even uh, to, yeah. but just because we feel terrible and want to yeah. go. Yeah, no, that's what me and my girl do. We go. In the last two weeks, I think we went twice. <laughs> just, just for just, fun? Just looking at dogs. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so, all right, la- last thing for you here. Uh, anything, uh, me representing people who have been hard on you the last few years, any last words? Um, you know, you're always going to have people that, you know, critique you hard. Some people do it before, because they care, and some people do it because they don't like you generally. But I will never know, <laughs> you know, but... Sitting here, hearing what you have to say, you're a critic because you care. I can't see the rest for everybody else. So. Yeah, you're a good guy, man. You can go both ways. <laughs> good talk. You. Thanks for coming over. Appreciate, appreciate it. you uh, answering some hard questions for me, too. I got you. Thanks, man. What'd you guys think? I like what I heard, especially the dog rescue part. You should all rescue. If you want a dog, rescue one. Don't go to a breeder. That's, no. yeah, that's very nice. Not good for society and for dogs. <laughs> um, but, I mean... A, <laughs> Until I see something, talk is just talk from Andrew Wiggins. I like what I'm hearing. Yeah. I like that it seems the message is getting home about which shots to take and which shots not to take. I like that he's throwing shade at Tom Thibodeau without mentioning Tom Thibodeau when he says, you know, you can yell and scream all you want. That's not necessarily coaching. That and was- I was on the rise for three years, and then some things happened. <laughs> so I, I like what I hear, and hopefully, hopefully this is a sign of 
the changes within the organization with Gerson Rosas taking things over. And to me, as far as the people in-house, Carl Anthony Towns is already on the right trajectory. I'll say that before I say the next thing I'm about to say. Getting Andrew Wiggins right and getting him to buy into what you're doing is the most important thing for the immediate success of the Timberwolves. Mm -hmm. If you can get anywhere near first-round draft pick production out of Andrew Wiggins, that accelerates the timeline for this Timberwolves team being relevant by a, a million. Uh, millions may be an exaggeration, but that's what we do in sports talk radio. We exaggerate. We use hyperbole. <laughs> but seriously, him buying in and him fitting the system and doing the things that they're going to ask of him in this system accelerates the process of what Gerson Rosas and Ryan Saunders are trying to do very, very quickly. He's saying the right things. Let's see if when they get on the court, he's doing the right things and everything that Rosas and Saunders and the rest of the staff are saying are truly penetrating for this guy. I think more than also setting parameters for where he should shoot and, and I, I think we're putting a little bit too much on, on other people to unlock him. What I need to see from him is a complete engagement. Mm-hmm. And, and that's been my, so this isn't about, yes, you know what? As a player, change where he shoots. That's fine. Coach him differently. That's fine. Those things might help. But I think when we saw Wiggins's game start to disintegrate, it's based on his, his engagement. And so that, to me, is the starting point. The jumping off point is, where is he at mentally? And that doesn't mean he needs to be Mr. Fiery Player, because he's not going to be. But that does mean that you can't expect Rosas and Ryan to be like, if we just have you shoot from here, you're a different player. The starting point is, Andrew, do you want this? Do you do you love this? Is this something that you want to do and be great at? And if he can come back and say, you know what I do? I was For two years, I was disappointing, and mm-hmm. I know that. And and I'm all in. If he can take the people, as he referenced to you, Phil, that have pushed him and be like, I know why they're doing that, and therefore I'm going to to show them in a constructive, positive way, that's the starting point. It's not where he's shooting from. It's not what he's being told to do. Because you know what? It's a long season, and it's a grind. And there are games, we've seen this before, back to his rookie year against Cleveland, where he decides, damn it, I'm going to do it. And the talent is there then. So can we find that, let's not even say for 80-plus games, can we find that for 60-plus games? Because if you can, it's a different player. Yeah. I would say, so my read, he's 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 such a nice guy, and I think he's almost too nice to be the super, if you're going to be a superstar player, you almost have to be just a little bit more edgy and bleep you, and he's so laid back, and some people say, well, that's just how Canadians are, and... That's what I've been uh, saying about Carl Anthony Towns, and you all roll your eyes when I say that. They have, that they have really little, different personalities. He needs to be a little nastier. I think Towns has more fire, though, as a starting point. Maybe not enough for you, and yeah. and that doesn't mean you're wrong, but this guy is super chill yeah. and laid back. And and the difference, too, Is he going to fish quickly, concerts, too? Um, Wiggins might. might. You think so? <laughs> Wiggins might be, yeah. <laughs> the difference, too, is that, is that Towns could be more fiery, but he's super competitive. At times... I see Andrew play and actually question that. Like, are you competitive at all? My key takeaway from that conversation was I think he now has, because of all of the different things that Gerson Rosas and Ryan Saunders and company have brought to the offseason in terms of strategy and analytics. And I mean, there are, I've been in that practice facility. There are red dots in areas that Andrew Wiggins shoots in specifically that say, do not shoot here. So I think he does have an understanding that he should not be taking those shots. And that's really step one. If Even if he doesn't have the killer instinct that you want 
that, that you see from other guys. If he can just not shoot from places that he shouldn't shoot from anymore, that's going to be a huge step forward. I do think he has an understanding can of that. Can you after get him good enough um, for a long enough period of time to trade him to? Are you asking Phil if he personally can do it? Like no, coach well, now that, well, now that we're tight. Well, we're talking right. about red dots here, right? Yeah. And like, let's just let's just say it starts to work. But Rosas knows deep down it's not going to work long term. Could you, because that would be a really important corner to turn too. If you decide he's not going to get it full time, but he gets it long enough to fool teams. Well, that would be if, I mean, obviously, if he, if he doubles his efficiency or whatever, like if he just becomes a much better player, that's a great problem to have because now you get to choose. Okay. Like, can we work with this? Is this something worth having on right. the roster? Or now can you trade him from a peak of interest and, or from a point of peak interest Correct. instead of the other way around? So. Um, I recommend going and checking out Danny Cunningham's one-on-ones with Gerson Rosas and Ryan Saunders too. Raised by Wolves is the podcast feed. If you haven't subscribed and you're a Wolves fan or you're just curious about the franchise, it's the best Wolves podcast in the Twin Cities. We're going to wrap with Roycey, get his thoughts on Twins-Yankees and other things in just a minute here. But the Twin Cities Marathon, which is the most beautiful urban marathon in the country, um, it's happening this weekend. There's a whole series of events, and we're going to bring our friend Mike Logan on here, president and CEO of Twin Cities in Motion. Mike, thanks for joining us, and tell our audience what they can be in store for in the coming days here leading up to uh, Marathon Weekend. Hey, guys. Good to, good to hear your voices again this year. Um, yeah, so Medtronic Twin Cities Marathon Weekend is upon us. We've got an expo uh, starting this Friday at 11 a.m., and then a series of events running on Saturday and Sunday throughout. Uh, it should be a really good time. We're looking forward to having about 30,000 people participate and uh, about 10 times that amount of people spectating. Yeah. Uh, are you looking for volunteers? We are. Uh, we still need some volunteers along the course and certainly um, throughout the the entire duration of the 26.2 miles. And so if people could go to tcmevents.org, uh, there's an opportunity to sign up for a bunch of different shifts in that regard. Okay. Uh, Mike, what is your favorite part about what the Twin Cities Marathon brings to the table, maybe compared to other big marathons around the country? Yeah, I think it's two things, so I'm going to cheat a bit and get two answers in. Number sure. one is the crowd. You know, we've got over 300,000 spectators that come out and support our runners, support our volunteers. Uh, that's amazing, along with the volunteer uh, work that goes on there. And then I think finally the finish line, right? It doesn't matter if you cross the line in two hours, just over, uh, or six hours. Um, the the look on people's faces is amazing. So just that experience of completing whatever distance you're you're competing in, uh, crossing that finish line. Hey, what are just a, a quick rundown if you're if I mean let's be honest, the three dudes on this show and four Jonathan, <laughs> we're not running a marathon, but like if you're not a marathon runner but you know what, you'll dabble in a, in a in a not quite as far event. What are what are the other events that people could potentially jump into? Yeah, so we have events uh, that satisfy all abilities, including the four gentlemen uh, in the studio there today. Uh, we've got a distance on Saturday as short as the toddler trot. That's about 50 feet, but I don't think you'd qualify. But, you know, for adults That sounds right for me. Sounds about right for me. We've got a half mile, uh, a family mile. Uh, we've got a 5K and a 10K. There's even a, a mascot invitational if someone wants to put on a costume. We've got uh, oh Jonathan corndog costume. Get it on. <laughs> <laughs> He's ready. <laughs> um, so check it out. It's uh, the Medtronic Twin Cities Marathon and the website again, Mike Logan, if you could. Yeah, the website is tcmevents.org. Awesome. Thank you, and we're looking forward to it. Thanks, guys. Have All a right. great week. That is Mike Logan, the president and CEO of Twin Cities. In motion. We'll wrap with Roycey here shortly. 
you know what? I got to be honest. I would probably be more willing to drive the 26.2, but I, I jump into one of the lesser events. Uh, but if I were going to drive 26.2, it'd be in a Toyota from Luther Brookdale Toyota. It would be Good in a mileage, RAV4. right? You'd barely burn any gas in that in those 26.2 yeah, miles. In fact, uh, maybe only a gallon. Maybe not, not even, even a that. gallon. Not even that. I wouldn't think. Yeah, it's great gas but, mileage, even on the SUVs. I mean the the Rav4 XLE that I drive, it handles and feels a lot more like a Camry or a Corolla, uh, but it's got the spaciousness of an SUV, and that's part of the reason that combination and price of why it has become one of the most popular SUVs in the country. In fact, if you go to LutherBrookdaleToyota.com right now, you can or stop in. They're open until 9 o'clock tonight. You can test drive one. You can check out all the new technology and features that you're going to find. Um, I love I love leasing plans because every two or three years you get upgraded interior safety features, technology, you name it. 694 on Brooklyn Boulevard and LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. Jonathan here with this hour Score North download. We talked a little bit about it in cram session. We talked about it a lot during Purple Daily, but Kirk Cousins seems to have an issue in these big games. Well, a couple of people in the media have some ideas for the Vikings on what they should do. One of them, Dan Orlovsky, over at ESPN on Sports Center this morning, had this to say for what the Vikings should do at the quarterback position. The Minnesota Vikings should seriously contemplate trading for Josh Rosen. Kirk Cousins right now is not getting it done. They have a certainly a, a roster that could compete for a championship. Rosen has shown to do some really good things in a bad situation in Miami. Minnesota needs to have that conversation at quarterback. So, Vikings fans, Josh Rosen, the guy who's already been traded from the team that drafted him last year on the Miami Dolphins, a team that looks like they don't want him because they don't want anybody at this point. Let us know your thoughts on Josh Rosen or any other quarterback that you would want. That's a realistic target for the Vikings. Over at Score North on Twitter, at SKORNorth on Twitter. That's been your Score North download. Now back to the final segment today of Mackie and Jared with Rami. All right. All right, we're told Royce wants to start off with a topic okay, of his of choosing. All- First of all, Orlovsky sounds dumb enough to be a guy who'd run out of the end zone when there's a pass rush theory. <laughs> no, never. What a moron he is. Okay, B, we got a new nickname for the sports dad. Judd is now the Dutchman. D- Judd Van Zulga. Yes! He wants to wait until the Cousins is playing against his old team, the Redskins, before he humiliates him with a benching. December 4th, 1966, (laughs) the Minnesota Vikings are playing their first ever game against the Atlanta Falcons. It is at Met Stadium, so the game is being televised back to Atlanta. The Georgia Peach, Fran Tarkington, is the quarterback. Atlanta boy, Van Brocklin plays Bob Berry. Bob Berry goes 12 for 33 with five interceptions, and he still doesn't put Tarkington in the game. He makes him stand on the sidelines, freezing his ass off with a parka on, so none of the folks back home in Atlanta can watch him play. Judd Van Zolgad, he's now the Dutchman, we call him. Proudest moment of my entire career ever right there. Thank you. Wow. Yes, and surprisingly, at season's end, uh, Van Brocklin wrote a letter. I mean, Tarkington wrote a letter saying uh, he couldn't play for Van Brocklin and want to be traded. Of course, then Van Brocklin quit, and Francis said, I still want to be traded. 
So and he ended up with the Giants for five years. But that was one of the greatest moments in Viking history. Talk about a coach who hated his quarterback. He uh he went with Bob Berry through five interceptions and lost the game just so Francis couldn't play in front of his home folks in Atlanta. Okay, and if Cousins demands out, am I not doing a public service for this entire well, town? By the way, Rami. Yes, Patrick. Get off the weed, for for God's sakes. <laughs> Trade Cousins. Who in God's name is going to take a $28 Have you seen the state of quarterbacks around the NFL? Somebody will take Kirk nobody, Cousins off your hands. Nobody. Nobody is going to take a $28 million contract. I think you can find someone. Because if you stink... If you stink and have the room to do that, you don't want to win games. So uh, that is, boy, oh, boy. I I would have not only not let you win cramp session, I would have thrown you out of the building. Yeah, sorry, Ronnie. We're going we're gonna to dock you a point there. Judge Patrick. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know Pat was a judge. I didn't know he got a vote in this. I love the fire. I, no I, I love the fire because Unchained has a lot of fire as well. <laughs> Yes, but I, I loved your thing when I got that. I said, okay, i got to run home and find out when Ben Brocklin. That's great. Ben Brocklin benched Arkington, and uh, it wasn't hard to find. Amazing. So, uh, so Pat, Rocco Baldelli this afternoon was asked all <laughs> kinds of questions about what the Twins are going to do with their roster and Luis Arais, and uh, he did he did confirm, we can, we can play this soundbite, uh, our Bulldog reporter, Derek Wetmore, was down there asking, uh, in fact, let me find this here. Uh, this is the soundbite. No, starting game one. Yes, I love this. Yes. Are you I have willing? a pretty good feeling about who's going to start. Are you willing to share that today? No, we're going to wait until uh, the very last minute to um, talk about what any of our players are going to be doing. Who should start game one, Pat? Ah, uh, Barrios is going to start game one, but here's the deal. the uh, On Thursday, you, you are supposed to send your uh, starting pitcher to the uh, press conference. Uh, you have to send two players, one of them being a pitcher, and on Thursday at Yankee Stadium, the Twins are sending Taylor Rogers <laughs> as their pitcher. So they don't want to tip off that they're going with Barrios. Oda Rizzi had a very, had a long bullpen session today. I think that probably means he's going to pitch Saturday. And, uh, Barrios is going to pitch, uh, it's, is going to pitch Friday. I, I, it, it, that's what you're hearing from everybody. Now, maybe Oda Rizzi's uh, going to have a lighter bullpen session on, Friday or something, and ended up pitching Monday in Game Three. I don't know, but uh, Odorizzi's going to pitch Game One. But I did uh, peek around the corner. The Rocco's door was open after he was done, and I peeked around the corner, and he was sitting there with uh, with Rick uh, with Shelton. And I said, uh, "Do you get paid for that MLB radio a bit you do?" And he said, yeah, I get paid. And I said, I listened today, and you're a thief. I said, <laughs> <laughs> you gave nothing. And he said, why should I? I don't understand why people tell, you know, why, why you're going to give something away that, in the playoffs. So uh, anyway, he, he took it well. So. Yeah, that's, was, uh, uh, yeah. I, feel, I, I feel like baseball easy. managers have become much more like football coaches, haven't they? Oh, God, yes. Oh, yeah. Everybody in uh, – it is it is the movement uh, that's uh, taking place here in sports. And uh, when Zim gets fired, you know, we've already been talking about who are we going to get when Zim gets fired. Somebody thinks it's going to be this 28-year-old quarterback who's an offense. That's who it's going to be. It's going to be kind of a young, positive uh, type of guy when Zim gets – when Zim's done after this year – our last ever crusty uh, Viking coach will be gone. Yeah, yeah, because uh, 
I mean, you look around, you know, even in baseball, like Dave Dombrowski, 11 months after winning a World Series, yeah. he's, he's just, apparently Dave Dombrowski is just, and this is from an analytics guy, like Dombrowski is just too old and decrepit to run a front office 11 well, months later. Well, Buster pointed out the other day that they fired Charrington, who was a young analytic guy, uh, because uh, he was too worried about the farm department. And then they fired, and then they told Dombrowski to come in and win a World Series, and then they fired him because he wasn't worried enough about the farm department. Yeah. So, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, the Buster was telling us yesterday he doesn't think it's going to be easy for them to hire a general manager because the owners are considered to be, uh, loose cannons and kind of nutcases. So, yeah. uh, but Pat, then again, what, what, and now they say they're going to cut payroll, which is amazing. What's coming up on Unchained tonight? Oh, uh, we got a lot of good stuff. We uh, we break down the fact that the Timberwolves are going to emphasize long rebounds this year. We uh, talk about uh, uh, you know we we had a little fun with the whole uh, the cousins preoccupation and uh, and uh, all kinds of good stuff. And then we we do review Rocky's Rocco's performance on the MLB Network today. <laughs> Fifteen minutes of nothingness. It was fan- it was spectacular. And you won't believe who at the end. Patrick, positive Pat praises. That's all I got to say. Me? Was it, it me? Praise. It was lukewarm praise. It, it was still positive Pat. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was the positive Pat item, that's for sure. All right. See you, Pat. See you. Goodbye. Bye. See you, Dutchman. See ya. <laughs> so he just, I think he just fired Rami there. Yes. I'm gone. Yep. <laughs> it was nice working with you guys. <laughs> it was fun. All right. Mackie and Jeff with Rami. You didn't sound like you meant that. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun. Well, I mean, people come and go. You know me. I'm lukewarm on humans. Pump the brakes a little bit.